We're serious. Ew. We're serious women. <clears throat> Very important ladies. Oh, and we have accents now, everyone and welcome to the leading lady club we are your hosts i'm caitlin i'm lauren and welcome to the show we hope everyone is having a happy monday it is now august which is crazy i feel like the summer went by so fast so fast it always does i mean Mm -hmm. summer is just the best time and so it always flies by because it's yeah. full of fun and then I'm always sad and we I mean I'm happy when we get to August because hint hint to everyone listening my birthday is coming up but I'm sad that August means the summer is reaching a close soon almost sad so anyway, happy August. Happy Leo season, everyone. <laughs> I apologize on behalf of all the Leos in your life uh, for the chaos that we bring with us everywhere mm. we go. Every um, sign's got something, so that's okay. I know literally nothing about astrology or signs or anything. I only know about Leos. So That's all you need to know about. But I know that we're a lot to handle, so I would just like to formally apologize on behalf of Leos everywhere, as it is our time to shine, which, again, according to Leos, is always, but it's specifically... Especially now. Yeah, it's it's especially our time to shine now. Uh, but anyway, that's that's all good and fun. Uh, speaking of shining... Oh, jeez. <laughs> you know what shines? Olympic medals are shiny. <laughs> I don't know um, why. I didn't think Olympic medals was going to be the thing, but you know, it works. That was, I mean, that was on Good. like week. Honestly, I feel like in our last episode of the season, we should uh, rate my best and worst oh, segues. That could be like a good little bit that we do. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're listening at home and you hate my segues as much as we do, <laughs> Send us a DM and let us know which ones have been the worst and the most cringy. Uh, But anyway, the Olympics. Obviously, we talk a lot about the Olympics here. You all know we're big, big Olympics fans. So I don't know about you, Lauren, but I've been watching every single night. Uh, But I feel like one of our mutual favorite sports to watch is gymnastics, specifically women's gymnastics. I also do really love to watch them. And I'm a big, big fan of Sam McCulloch. Um, I I like you all Moldauer. He's so cute. I've loved Sam McCulloch for three Olympics now. And I can remember way back in, uh, let's see, the last one was Rio, right? So London, I Mm -hmm. guess being like, oh yeah, my gosh, uh, Sam McCulloch and Jake Dalton are so cute. Like, oh, I wish they'd be my boyfriend. And then my mom was like, sweetie, they're like five, six. And uh, I was like, like, oh, okay. Well, <laughs> so shout out to Sam McCulloch if you're listening to the Lady Club <laughs> for whatever you You do. can come on too. Oh my gosh, yes. He's a leading lady in my eyes. He is, I believe um, But 
the definite like ultimate gymnastics leading lady obviously is Simone Biles um I feel like there's a lot to talk about here and also I would just like to preface this by saying that we are recording this uh you know several days before it will be released this episode and so there could be I would like to just preface by saying there could be developments in this whole situation there could be like new um news stories about it or new developments for those of you who don't know though I imagine most people I've heard about this, even if, if you didn't. even if you don't watch the Olympics, Simone Biles exited the uh, team final mm-hmm. the other day, and uh, after doing the vault, she had she had done her her vault rotation and then left the floor. And at the time, it was kind of unknown why, and people didn't know if maybe she was injured or what had happened. And she went kind of back to the um, not locker room, but like the you know backstage area yeah. I don't know what to call it I'm an actor like I'm an actor yeah. okay she went backstage whatever it, I don't think it's a locker room at the Olympics but you know what I mean mm-hmm. um and then she came back out a few minutes later and everyone was kind of like okay is she gonna compete is she like what's happening and she just came back out to watch her team but she ended up um withdrawing from that part the rest of that uh that event I guess I should say or that competition um and it ended up being she announced that it was like a mental health reason and that she just was not in the right headspace to finish that part of the competition. And, you know, she had done that vault and I was listening to like Nasty Lucan and the commentators talk about it. And they were saying that they used a term, but basically they were saying as a gymnast, it's like a common thing that happens sometimes when especially I'm sure in practice when you do like a vault or you do a hard trick and you kind of get like lost where you are in the rotation up in the air and that can be very dangerous especially when you are doing tricks with a difficulty level that Simone Mm -hmm. uh, does them because she's just like above and beyond literally everyone else in the sport as we all know and so it was scary she really could have hurt herself and I mean when you're doing those kind of things like it's not just we're talking the kind of hurt where you like break a leg or like an arm like you or you twist an ankle. Neck. Like you literally could be paralyzed. Like that's yeah. terrifying. And so I think she was afraid that she might hurt herself. I think she was afraid she might like hurt her team's chances of, you know, doing well and, and finishing with a medal. And I think she just was not in the right headspace and just felt she couldn't do it. And so, you know, she left it to her team um, to finish out. And of course, there was like a lot of controversy and a lot of opinions being thrown back and forth. And- bad. I literally read, I've spent three days on Twitter reading bad yeah. takes about this because it's just, first of all, coming from people who are like, oh, like this kind of, co- like, co- like this competition comes around every four years, blah, blah. It's like, yes, the Olympic comes around. Olympics come around every four years. Simone Biles competes every year gymnastics doesn't stop just because you're not watching so for a people who don't really know what's going on to have opinions is annoying and b so many people are like well she's not the goat if she can't overcome like mental blocks whatever 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 it's like okay listen you're playing baseball you get a little bit of the yips and you drop some throws and you you know your team loses that sucks that's a bummer but you move on and you do better in the next game if you the technical term that I've been seeing is called twisties, which is basically like your body doesn't know where it is in the air anymore, so you're not prepared to do the four and a half flips that you need to do to get your points. 
If you get that in gymnastics, you're dead. You are landing on your neck and you are paralyzed and you are dead. This is not like dropping points. This is dropping your life. And the fact that there are so many people, I'm going to get fired up about this again because I've been fired up about it for like four days. The fact that there are so many people who don't understand that in sports like gymnastics or, you know, like snowboarding or figure skating or any sport where you are hurtling your body through the air in ways that it is not meant to be hurtled, you screw up even a little bit and you're done. Your your bones are broken and you're done. And it's just the complete lack of empathy for that has been crazy. It has been insane. And for people to so quickly jump down her throat and say that she's not the GOAT, she's not strong enough, she's like, why is she competing at this caliber, calling her selfish for taking away a spot on the team. If she had stayed on that, on during the team final, if she had kept competing and done worse and like either brought down the team scores or whatever, people would still be calling her selfish. Like literally there was no way for her to win in this. And so the fact that she was able to put aside her ego, choose herself and choose her team because she knew that stepping away was going to be the best way for her team to win. They won a silver, by the way, they won a silver medal. She knew that that was going to be the best chance for them to keep going. And that's what she did. Like she could have kept going and been like, this is my team. Like I'm Simone Biles. Like I'm going to keep going, whatever. But she didn't. She took a step back. She's like, I'm doing this for me. I'm doing this for my team. And I think that is unbelievably admirable. Yeah. I mean, it's brave, you know, like, and like you said, I mean, this is, I mean, not probably this, I mean, I would say definitely her last Olympics, probably her last time competing ever, maybe even her last time doing gymnastics really at like this high of a level. And, you know, that has to be a hard thing to grapple with. And the fact that she wasn't just like, I'm going to power through because this is, I need a medal and I need to do this and whatever. I mean, yeah, I think it was incredibly brave. And also, you know, knowing what people would probably say and how people Mm -hmm. would probably react, especially after kind of seeing what has happened with Naomi Osaka recently. And not that it's like the same situation or even really that similar, but it it is a, a little similar where it's like, I mean, Naomi removed herself from the competition after that. And, you know, I just, I feel like she probably knew in that moment what a lot of the backlash would be and uh, still chose to make that decision anyway for the good of her team and for the good of her health, both mental and physical. Um, and I just think that was a very like brave and smart decision to make and yeah. just absolutely the right decision. Yeah. Um, and like, and people keep bringing up Carrie Strug from her vault where she did it on a busted ankle and they're like, well, she could do it. Like, it's like, okay, you realize that's bad, right? You realize that was not a good thing that happened because a, her ankle was literally busted. B, she didn't even need to do. So the whole thing was like, she did the first vault. She busted her ankle. They were like, you need to do the second vault so we can win. She did the second vault and like landed it and whatever. She didn't need to do that second vault. They already had the points that they were going to win. And in the video that everybody watches every four years of like best Olympic moments, they pick her up off the mat and hand her to Larry Nasser, who had been systemically, systematically, whatever the word is, abusing gymnasts for literal years at that point and would continue to abuse gymnasts until five years ago. And so the fact that Simone was able to even say no shows that A, the fact that Larry Nasser is rotting in jail is making a difference. And B, shows that she has that agency and that she is paving a way in a sport where for so long, it was all about breaking those girls. Gymnastics for decades has been about breaking down girls 
so that they they're they can win gold medals from whatever country they're from. And so the fact that she was able to say no, I think is an amazing step forward for gymnastics. There's a lot still to fix with it. I know it's not perfect yet. And she talked about she did an interview with Hoda Kotb. She talked about how she was thinking of retiring from gymnastics last year. She was like, you know, the Olympics are in question. It's not really, you know, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. But she stays, she's still in competition because she thought that if there was no more Larry Nasser survivors actively competing in gymnastics, that USA Gymnastics would just sweep it under the rug. And it sucks because she's probably right. So the fact that she's doing all of this and people are still giving her flag about it is just like, yeah, she's stronger than any of you. Sorry about it. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, she's been through like emotion. I mean, not like she's been through emotional trauma and, <laughs> you know, I can only imagine that comes up as well, like when she's competing. And I think there's so much pressure on these athletes, especially at the Olympics and especially her. It's a lot. Um, and, you know, I just feel like she's incredibly strong. Yeah. I feel like she absolutely made the right decision. And I hope it will shine a light on mental health for athletes, mental health for Olympians, mental health for gymnasts. Yeah. And uh, athletes are not robots. They're not just here for your entertainment. They are people too. Yeah. Shocker, I know. Yeah. So, yeah, I I mean, absolutely just find it amazing that she had the courage to do that. And we obviously wish her well. And I mean, you know, good for and her. And everyone's like, well, if you can't handle the pressure, one more thing, if you can't handle the pressure at the Olympics, you shouldn't be doing this anyway. It's like, okay, first of all, she already has three gold medals. So like, that's not yeah, the issue. Obviously she and, can. And B, mental health doesn't, you don't get to decide when your brain breaks, like, you're yeah. fine one minute and the next minute you're not. And that is just how it works. And you just have to deal with it as it comes. That's it. And that's what she's doing. And she's doing what's best for her. Yeah. And Simone, we love you. Yeah. Shout out. Um, but anyway, that's an amazing story of an amazing female Olympian. She's still and out. yeah. And then I don't want to say because she uh, withdrew, because I think that would be a little bit of uh, taking away from SUNY. SUNY Lee, yeah, baby! SUNY gold Lee. medalist! But, um, you know, it did open up the competition a little bit, obviously, like, nobody really expected to beat Simone. Really? And how awesome! Like, I think SUNY Lee is also very inspiring, and, she's, you know... Um, she's I'm, just so, like, just full of good energy. I really yeah, like Yeah, and, like, everything with her dad, and, mm -hmm. you know, she definitely, I feel like, is competing for him, and it's her first mm -hmm. Olympic as it is with all the other Team USA women's gymnasts other than She's Simone. the fifth U.S. woman in a row to win the gold medal in the individual all round. There you go. So super happy that, you know, she was able to do that and to show up and to kind of stay focused and do her thing and shine. So I'm glad she got her moment. And, yeah, it was pretty cool. Go Team USA and Team USA. USA. Um, yeah. Speaking of people who love the USA and women, I don't know. That wasn't a good one. That was bad. That was really not well, good. I mean, no offense, but what am I going to say? Speaking of 
SUNY Lee and Simone speaking Biles. Of, speaking of people who love sports, you didn't have to oh. get that specific. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Or just like loves or the just, Olympics. Speaking of women. Speaking of the so here's person, a woman. The first speaking of women, here's a woman. Here's a woman. I'm dead. Uh well, yep. Yeah, so in the in the scale of bad segues, that was definitely one of the that worst. Was, but yeah. it is not because there's not a wonderful, wonderful guest here this week. And surprise, it's not a surprise because we announce our guest ahead of time on social media. She's already here. <laughs> it's our girl, Lauren Montana. Yay. I'm like low-key a little nervous. I like am a little bit nervous too, actually. I don't know why. I don't know why either. That's fine. It'll be good. Anyway, hello, everybody. Thank you for having me on the show that I host once a week. I just don't want to, like, you know, screw up your big moment with That's asking, fine. like, bad questions. So I'm, I'm sure they're great. Also a little nervous, but, you I'm know, sure they're great. It's okay. It's fine. We're both going to do wonderfully. Um, so, yes, surprise. Our guest today is Lauren. We decided as we were kind of nearing the end of our preparation for season one that it I mean, obviously, we've told you guys a lot about ourselves. We've given our own anecdotes, our own kind of two cents as we've gone along uh, throughout season one. And our very first episode, we definitely did a little bit of like, you know, bio, like intros about ourselves. But I don't know. We kind of thought it would be fun to go a little bit deeper and also to kind of have a chance to like sit down with each other and, you know, if we're talking about leading ladies, I don't know, I don't want to speak for both of us or anything, <laughs> but I definitely know that when I'm listing my list of leading ladies in my life, you're, uh, you're right up there, baby. You're right up at the top. Um, would not be probably a functioning human being without you. Um, I don't think I would either. I think we should just dive right into the good stuff. What do you say, oh, Lauren? Are, are you ready? I don't think I have much of a choice. Um, okay, Lauren, welcome to my Thank you. welcome to my podcast. Welcome to my interview. Thank you. Um, Thank you I feel for like we're me. I feel like we're on red table talk. You ever watch that? Yes. I'm like, welcome to the table. Thanks for sitting down at the table with me. Oh, sure. We appreciate you being here after I invited you to. Okay, I'm going to need you to ask these questions soon because I'm going to you. Okay, so you grew up in the great state of Ohio in a pretty small town, good old small town life. Um, what was that like kind of growing up? And, um, you know, you have sister, obviously. And uh, just kind of what was a little bit of your life growing up in Ohio pre-moving to New York and uh, doing theater and all that? What, what was that like, good old Ohio life? It was very like normal I guess so we moved here when I was like five or before I started kindergarten and we still live in the same house like I haven't moved my parents haven't moved out of this house I live here currently um so this is like very much home for me um I have friends that still live here that I get to see a lot which is nice that I mean I've have my group of friends that I've had since high school so we're all very close which is very like very stable, I guess is a good word for it. And I mean, I have my parents, I have my little sister and it was, you know, dance classes growing up. I played violin growing up, honors classes in school. I was always like the, I was always in honors or AP classes because that was like the thing for me is I was good at school. 
She's very um, smart and very talented, everyone. Well, That's what we're trying to say here. But yeah, it was just, it was very, it was very normal. Um, it is, Twinsburg is a very small town. There's not a lot to do in Twinsburg proper. Mm-hmm. Uh, we didn't get a Starbucks here until I was like in middle school, I think. Yeah, pretty, pretty normal, pretty. Good old normal life. Good old normal life, yeah. Small town USA crazy. in the, the Midwest, eh? Good old Ohio. Oh, yeah, you know. <laughs> I, <laughs> I do it. say that. I don't yeah. even mean to, but I do say that. You know, it's the Midwest way of life. So I've heard. Um, so you kind of mentioned two uh, groups of people or two, I guess, separate uh, entities in your life that I wanted to bring up in the next question. You have a sister who you're very close with. And hey, Megan. she's listening. Hey, girl. Oh, shout out, Megan. Hey, girl. Um, and you also have a very close group of friends from high school that you're still very close with. And they're all these like kind of female friendships and relationships that I feel like have been a real um, kind of staple for you or like a real thing to fall back on for like a long time, a a big chunk of your life. And even now, like kind of in college and, um, you know, adult life, I feel like you mostly have like really, really close female friends. And, Mm -hmm. you know, that's something we talk about a lot, obviously, on the show is the importance of female friendships and just kind of those bonds with our fellow ladies. Um, so tell me a little bit about that and how important those relationships are to you. And of course, you know, your sister having that kind of like guaranteed female friend growing up in your life. It's been, yeah, I definitely have a, a big female presence in my life. I mean, my mom, obviously my mom and my grandmothers, all of my cousins, except for one on my mom's side, they're all girls. Um, I have my sister and yeah, I mean, a sister is definitely like a built-in best friend. Uh, we weren't always best friends. We went through, you know, some rough patches, but I talked to me- I talked to Megan every day. Um, we Snapchat at the very least and send, you know, dumb TikToks to each other, but she is the first person I call if something like terrible happens or if something really good happens. She was the first person I called after I got fired from my job. Um, she was the first person I called. Shout out. Shout out. Actually, technically you were the first person I called, but you didn't answer your phone. So okay, Megan was listen, actually the second person I called. I will literally never live that down or get over it's it fun. ever. Shout but yes, out. she, we have definitely gotten a lot closer since we've been older and we've kind of like, you know, found ourselves and have able to figure out our relationship. Um, and yeah, she's just a boss. She's so smart. She is getting her master's degree in school counseling to be a school counselor. She's going to help lots of little kids figure out their lives, which I think is great. And then, yeah, I have my my three best friends from high school. I've technically known all of them for longer than high school. So Kelly and I have been friends since we were eight. We were in the same second grade class, Mr. DC's class. We were right next to each other because our the last names are next to each other in the alphabet. Um, and then I've known Amelia since eighth grade and then Ellen since freshman year of high school and then we all kind of like came together our junior year of high school and they've you know we've we've done it all together we did high school together we've done college together we've done breakups and getting togethers and two of us went to grad school and two of us I'm mean, Amelia and I are trying to move into it to together once she gets a job so it's been, it was really, and it was really good, especially like my freshman year of college because, you know, moving to a new city, not really knowing a lot of people, it was very, very scary, but I still had 
you know, these, these people that I could fall back on to be like, Oh, here's how my day went when I just needed to like talk to somebody about it. Or like, here's this cool thing that I did or whatever. And it just felt a little less isolating, which was, was nice. Now, obviously it's not the same as seeing people in person all the time, but it was, it was good to be able to like text each other when we needed to, but yeah, yeah. they're, they've, been with me through everything we've been through lots of ups and lots of downs but we've all done it together which has been really really nice yeah I love that um so obviously we met doing theater so I know theater is a very big part of your life something you really like grew up loving grew up wanting to do grew up being involved with um and, you know, you did a lot of shows in high school and things like that. Um, and then, of course, you got into NYU and, you know, went there to do theater. What was that sort of experience like, your sort of um, journey with theater, I guess, and your love for it, uh, both in high school and then kind of being like the one who got into NYU, you know, from your very small town and being the one, I don't want to say who got out because it makes it sound like you know, your town is like a terrible place to be, which of course not. But you know what I mean? Where it's kind of like yeah. everyone in your town probably knew, oh my gosh, like she's that theater girl who got into NYU for theater. Like, yeah. I know that's kind of how it was a little bit. Yeah. Well, and yeah, that's definitely a very a small town thing, especially here. Yeah. It's like, if you grew up anywhere in like the Northern, well, probably anywhere in Ohio, it's you either went to like in Northeastern Ohio, at least you went to either Ohio State, um, Kent State, Cleveland State or like Miami if you were willing to go that far south um so yeah there was always one of those four schools and I so I started really seriously doing theater not until my sophomore year of high school actually um I did like drama club in eighth grade and that was just kind of like I was in I was the goose in Charlotte's Web and I was Anne Frank for two scenes in the diary of Anne Frank because you have to cast everyone so we had eight Anne Franks yeah iconic yeah, you know, very, very middle school. <laughs> yeah. But I really, I seriously started doing theater in my sophomore year of high school. That's when I started doing um, my summer theater, which for the first summer, it was at Fairmount Performing Arts Conservatory. Uh, and I did Year in Town there, which was like my very first, or it wasn't my very first musical, but it was my first musical where I had a substantial role. I played Ma Strong. I was an old lady. I had like, you know, the makeup and the wig. And it was just such a fun show. And we had a great cast. And a great director with Bob Russell. Shout out to Bob. Um, and then the remaining two summers that I was in Ohio, I did my summer theater at Hathaway Brown Theater Institute, which is still up and running, uh, run by Fred Sternbell and B.B. Weinberg Katz, who I adore. I haven't seen in a very long time, but I love them. Uh, but yeah, I got to do a lot of amazing shows there. I did uh, Sweeney Todd. I did Chorus Line, which is like one of my favorite shows I ever did. I did Jekyll and Hyde. And I was just, it was Performing has been a part of my life for a really long time. I was a dancer growing up. Um, watching theater has always been a thing that my family and I have loved to do. My, they took me to my first like live theater experience when I was five. We saw The Lion King at Playhouse Square in Cleveland. Um, and I just, I had a lot of fun doing it and I felt good doing it. And I was pretty good at it. I was dance captain for like almost every show I was in. I never got like a lead role. I was usually in the ensemble, but I liked being in the ensemble because I liked feeling like I was part of, like really part of the show. And you know, you're in the ensemble in a high school theater, you're doing like yeah, pretty much everything. Definitely. Um, so yeah, I did that all through high school. And then, you know, senior year was coming up and they're like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I'm like, <laughs> huh. I mean, I'm doing this theater thing. 
Yeah. I, that sounds fun. Let's do that. And so I auditioned for schools. I actually auditioned for technically four because I sent in two pre-screen auditions that I did not make. And then I had two in-person auditions, one at University of Cincinnati and then one at NYU. And apparently that's not a lot when it comes to auditioning for theater schools. There was a girl I remember at the University of Cincinnati audition who's like, I'm auditioning for 28 schools. And I was like, wow, okay. Um, but I did the UC audition and it was fine, but it was very like, very stereotypical, like MT program. And I was like, I don't know if this is for me, but then I went to NYU. And I remember that was the first time that I like had fun at an audition. Like the dance call was really cool and very different. It was like this African dance. And I was like, lit, let's go. Oh my um, gosh. Was it with Byron? I maybe. Byron? I, that name sounds oh my gosh, familiar. It, I feel like it probably was. He does a lot of like kind of African rhythmic like. Yeah, it was fun. I mean, it was oh fun. Gosh. It wasn't just like you know straight up musical Byron. theater. Shut I bet up. it probably was. It was because it had to be in new studio, right? If you were yeah. doing like mm-hmm. the dance call. Yeah. Oh, shout out. Okay, sorry shout to interrupt, to but no, it's like, okay. Yeah, Byron, but, if you're listening, you're the best. <laughs> but yeah, so I did, and it was just like fun, and I like worked on my monologue at the audition. And I was like, okay, this is like this is cool. I really like this, and I had been. <sighs> I loved doing theater, but I didn't love it as I eventually learned, love it enough to want to do it forever. And I kind of started to have an inkling of that, like, honestly, even before I went to college, but I was like, no, this is like, this is my thing. I'm the theater girl. I'm the one who's going to, you know, be famous or whatever, like make it or get out of, get out of Ohio or whatever. Um, And so I just kind of kept pushing it. Uh, I did get into NYU, which was very exciting. I remember getting the email and waking my parents up at like midnight on a Friday night. And I was like, guess what? I'm going to school. And they were like, oh no, we have to pay for NYU. And I was like, yeah, whatever. Um, but yeah. And so then I moved to New York. I, and there was definitely a little bit of the like wanting to get out thing, the wanting to get out of the small town because I don't know, yeah. you're 18 and you're like, I've lived in the same place my entire life. And I'm yeah. like, change might be kind of good. So I was, I was happy that I got to go to a a cool city and meet cool people and do cool things. So. And be the one they all talked about. Like, yeah, that girl, Lauren Montana, I heard she's going to NYU. I I mean, I think you're giving me a little more credit with that. I wasn't like cool in high school. I was very like middle of the pack, I'd say. Don't believe it. But my school was also, the way that it was set up was that I had been going to school with the same 300 kids since we were five. So it mm-hmm. like, yeah, it, it was just like, whatever. It didn't really matter too everyone. much. Yeah. 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 I knew, I knew like everybody I graduated with and it's whatever. But yeah, first year was fun. It was definitely rough for me. And I remember chalking a lot of that up to just like, oh, it's your freshman year of college. You're getting you're being in school, whatever, used to being in school, whatever, whatever. And then I'm like, looking back, I don't know how much of it was that necessarily. Cause I am a fairly adaptable person. Like people, a lot of people don't like change, but I'm kind of like, you know, it happens. You just kind of got to roll with it. Um, but freshman year was, was a lot. It was a lot of me not really being super happy with like what I was doing and like trying to find the things that made me happy and realizing that most of them didn't actually have to do with being in theater anymore. And that kind of sucked because for a long time, the theater was the thing that made me happy. Theater was the thing that like I loved doing the most. And then 
after a while, it kind of started not being that anymore. Um, definitely by the end of freshman year, I'd say, where I was kind of like, and then going into sophomore year, sophomore year was just not it. It was was a dark time. It was a dark time. Well, you know, sophomore year is obviously you're starting to take things a little more seriously with your like yeah. theater studies. You're doing more like intense acting exercises. You're doing more like at playwrights, at least you're doing a lot more writing stuff, even if you're yeah. in the acting track. Um, and it just, and I was trying to do other stuff too. I like stage managed a show. I tried to join like a choir. I was just trying to figure out like what I wanted to do. Yeah. And eventually, yeah, almost joined a sorority. I almost joined a sorority. Yeah, I was just that was I, a like, weird moment. Weird. It's, it's, it was very strange because okay. I'm okay. not a sorority girl. Not at all. Um, but yeah, I just was really lost. I like didn't really know what I wanted to do, or even what I didn't want to do. Like, I didn't really figure out that I didn't want to be in acting anymore until like almost the end of first semester of sophomore year. And then I finally just reached a point where I was like, I simply cannot do this anymore. If I keep doing this, I will have even more of a mental breakdown than I'm already having. So that was that was really a bummer. I did. It, there was a long time where I just was not getting any joy out of theater of like talking about it or listening to, you know, soundtracks or just anything. It was it was just not there anymore. All right. Then obviously, fast forward, you already kind of like got ahead to where I am now, which is good. You caught us up on, you know, freshman year, sophomore year, where your mind was realizing like theater no longer brought you joy. It wasn't what you wanted to do with your whole life. Wasn't the career for you. So bring me to that moment now. I know this like probably isn't the most fun thing in the world to talk about, but, and obviously you don't have to get like too deep into it, but just the moment you decided that like, a change had to happen. And then just going through that whole process of literally changing majors to something completely different and having to navigate that and figure all of that out and kind of like be brave enough to take that leap. What was that time like for you? Yeah. Well, it's, it's funny that you say that brave. And I know that we were talking about Simone Biles being very brave for making her decision earlier, but I definitely didn't feel brave when I did it. It just felt like something that I, like I, had to make this decision. I had to figure out something else with my life because I was just so not happy anymore. And it had been coming for a while. I remember my, I feel like the very beginning of sophomore year, I had a, a meeting with one of the heads of our studio and just kind of talking about what I wanted to do with my time at Playwrights, like where I wanted my path to go. And I was just kind of like, I don't, I have no idea. I have absolutely no idea because I couldn't really see myself being an actor anymore. I didn't see myself being like a writer, director, whatever. Um, I was like stage manager, maybe. So I ended up stage managing a show, but I just, I was really, it felt like I was lost, but now that I'm like thinking about it, I think it's more of like subconsciously, I'd kind of already made the decision of like, this is not something I want to do anymore, but I also I didn't want to just like quit because quitting felt bad to me. It was like, oh, you worked this hard. You got to NYU. You got into Tisch School of the Arts and now you want to just leave? Like that sucks. You just have to keep going. It'll be fine. It was a lot of, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. And then I actually remember <laughs> it was actually a very specific moment. I think I've brought this up before because um, it was a lot of buildup, but I do remember the very specific moment where I was like, I got to get out. I 
had been, I got the flu really bad sophomore year. I was sick for like a week. I missed a week of class. I was, you know, like fever chills the whole nine. And afterwards I had this like terrible cough for like a month. It just wouldn't go away. And it was one of those ones that you can't hold it in because it'll just come out anyway. Um, And it hurts if you hold it in. So I was dealing with that and we were sitting in our acting class one day and doing our little monologues and, you know, acting and being in the moment and doing the content. And I was like dealing with this horrible cough and I tried really hard to hold it in and like not let it interrupt anybody or interrupt me or whatever. And at the end of the class, we were like sitting in our circle and decompressing or whatever. And I guess I had let the cough through at some point, but I like wasn't even conscious of it. I just let it through. And our teacher turned to me and he was like, so you're dealing with this cough. And I was like, yeah, I was you know really sick. And I'm coming back. He was like, you know, if you're uh, if you're in the moment enough, if you are present enough in your content and in your scene, you should be able to hold stuff like that in. That shouldn't affect you at all. You should be able to to leave that behind and be present in your in your material. What? And, and I don't that remember was, this. Oh, I remember it vividly. Also, that, you have said on this show before that it was a specific moment, but you haven't told that story because oh, I did not remember that. Yeah. That was the moment he turned crazy. to me and told me this. And after, th- and I was just kind of like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. And in my head, I was like, I'm done. I am absolutely done wow. for this man to sit here and tell me if you are present enough in your scene that you can suppress your bodily functions. I was like, no, no, no. Ah, uh, acting school. Ah, uh, acting school. And so that was the moment. This was in like, I feel like it was like end of October-ish, November-ish. That was the moment where I was like, cool. All right. Well, that decision's made. Time to go. And I did. And it was a little scary at first because I was like, oh, now I have to do like real classes. That's kind of nerd. That's, ooh, oh no. Um, and so I did. So I like, at the end of that semester, I told all my, te- I like told our head of the studio, I told my counselor, I told all of our teachers, I was like, bye, not coming back. And so the next semester, I took an academic semester and my counselor was just like, you can just, you know, take some kind of jet ed classes, figure out what you're going to like the best or like what suits you or whatever. So I did, I took like, I took a history class. I took an economics class. I took a Spanish class. I took just a bunch of kind of jet eds to get it out of the way. And then also during that, I was trying to figure out, okay, like what do I actually want to major in now? And I went through a few phases. I was like, maybe I'll major in math. And I was like, "Mm, that's a lot. I was like, maybe I'll major in sports management. And then my dad was like, you'll never get a job. And I was like, that's fair. And I actually ended up having a call with my aunt Julie, Julie, Dr. Julie Mush, who we've spoken to on the podcast. Oh my gosh. She former interviewee. She called me, or I called her one day, and I was just talking about what I was thinking of majoring. And I was like, Yeah, I was like math, sports management. She's like, don't do sports management. And I was like, okay. She's like, try economics. Like, it's a little bit, it's math, it's a little bit of analytics, it's a little like, you know, analysis and stuff. You might like it. And so I took an intro to macroeconomics class and I liked it. I liked it. I thought I was relatively good at it. It was definitely a challenge, but I enjoyed it. And I liked the stuff that I was learning. And I was like, I liked economics because it was broad enough that I was going to be able to do a lot with it. Cause that was my other issue was that with a BFA, you can really only do so much. And because I didn't really know that I wanted to be an actor, the idea of having this degree that was really going to kind of pigeonhole me was very terrifying to me. So I liked economics that it was pretty broad and I could do a lot with it. And so I ended up 
I ended up dropping out of Tisch at the end of my sophomore year and transferring to the College of Arts and Sciences. And then I had to figure out how to complete a four-year degree in two and a half years because my dad was like, I'm not paying for any more school. So that was fun. It was actually not that bad. I just had to take classes like over the summer and it was... Okay, yeah. But like, I feel like you're selling yourself short a little bit there. You worked really hard to graduate on time and to basically play catch up and do all that in two and a half years. Funnily enough... Any arts credits, any theater credits don't really overlap with most comics credits. Yeah, super, super strange. Funny, fun fact. It was very inspiring to watch, and you had to really, like, keep your head down and, like, bury yourself in work and school, And but you did it. You made it through. I did. But like, but like I said, I definitely didn't feel brave. Like, it didn't feel, like, brave to me when I was doing it it was just yeah I just I just had to do it it was just I need to do this yeah or I don't know what's gonna happen basically I'm here to tell you it was brave and I am proud of you and you are inspiring to me okay so I have one more slightly deep talk question Mm -hmm. for you but then don't worry I followed up with a kind of like light one so oh, okay great just just like no you have that to look forward to and again like you don't have to get that deep on us oh, okay. if you don't want to but obviously that was like a big moment in your life a big change a big like hard thing to go through and then fast forward it's 20 the year is 2020 Jeez, Louise. um what so, a year. it's a rough time for us all um I didn't know if you would want to like mention this but you already did so I'm gonna mention it obviously super super tough um losing your job was like just crazy unexpected like terrible thing that happened and then what a month later COVID happens yeah um so talk about a one-two punch yeah that was insane and then like many of us you moved home for a bit previous to this current like more permanent like actual move home, like yes. it was you just like went home for a bit um and got a new job in the whole like covid quarantine process and then yet another change decided to like permanently leave new york so yeah, that's a lot of things in the span of literally a year because you moved out of new york in february of 2021 so literally yeah. from february to february a literal year wow you lost a job COVID happened, move home for a bit, came back, uh, got a new job, came back, decided to leave forever. Bye. Like what? <laughs> pretty much. Crazy. So, yeah. I mean, again, like you don't have to go in too much if you don't want to, but just talk me through a little bit the past year for you and what it has taught you and how it has challenged you and how you've, you know, I have been able to see come out the other side stronger and happier and better for it all even though (laughs) we couldn't see any of that in the moment because we we went through this I feel together as a as a fam Um, (laughs) but it was rough and you know we all had to kind of get each other through it but I feel like you out of all of us had a pretty rough slash uh, tumultuous year yeah it was kind of whack so graduate so graduated you know college in 2018 Pretty much a month after that, I got a job working at a hedge fund. It was just like an entry-level job. I was working in HR. I was like, at the time, I was like, well, I want to stay in New York and I need money because I have to pay rent. So this is fine. Uh, That job was not the job for me. 
And I kept trying to make it the job for me. And it was just like, eventually I came to a point where I was like, I, I, again, it was kind of like, I have I to say, get out of this job. Well, this also sounds like a pattern of like, it's going to be fine. Yeah. I'm going to make it fit, even though it's not right. I'm going to make it yes. work. Which I really Yes, do. it is yeah. very much, I would like to say the Capricorn in me, as well as like the older sister vibes in me to like, we're just going to make it work and it's going to be fine. Uh, that obviously now twice has not been the case. Um, so I was actually, the way that this whole happened, this whole thing happened was just cosmically hilarious. I, Monday, had a call with a staffing agency to be like, hey, I'm looking for a job, not having a lot of luck on my own, wanted to know if I, you can like help me out. And they were like, yeah, of course, like your resume is great. We have this like job at Lincoln Center for you that you could interview for, like, we can make it work. We'll work out the details. And I was like, cool. Awesome. Amazing. So this was Monday afternoon. Tuesday morning is when I come in Tuesday, not even 12 hours later is when I come into work and they pull me into an office and say, sayonara. So it was just really funny how that happened to work. And this was, yeah, this was, was it? No, it was actually terrible, but it was funny funny now. It's funny now. Yeah. So yeah, so I lost so I lost my job and that sucked because it was very much like again, kind of feeling like a failure of like, okay, this is, you know, your big girl job out of college, couldn't make it work, like what are you gonna do? Whatever, whatever. So that sucked. And this was at the end of February of 2020. So this was kind of like we'd been hearing rumblings about COVID, but at this point it was just like if you had traveled to or from China and it hadn't really spread here yet. So I wasn't super worried about it yet. But then about three weeks later was when things started to get rough and things were, you know, people were talking about like, oh, things are maybe going to shut down, whatever. And so I decided I was like, okay, well, you know, not really working right now. I have like my nanny gig that I was kind of doing, but even, you know, my nanny mom was like, if you're going to go home, like go home, like this is probably going to be the move for you. So I was like, okay, I'm going to go home. I had planned for not stay. I planned to stay for like two weeks. I was like, I'll go home for a couple weeks, kind of like regroup, relax, refresh, and then come in and like hit the ground running and try and find a job. And then I flew home that Sunday and Monday is when everything shut down. And I was like, well, maybe I'll go back in like a month or something. Uh, I didn't go back until October. I was in Ohio for seven months and it's it was a lot because I spent a lot of time like I very much took a break I very much took a step back because I was like this job has put me in a headspace that I didn't think I was going to be in again but we're here and so I would like to not be here anymore um I don't really know what I am doing with my life the world is kind of falling apart right now so I'm just going to take a break I'm going to take a minute I am going to, you know, try and figure out what it is that I want to do and actually take time to figure it out instead of just kind of rushing through it. And we'll go from there. And so I took a couple months where I just like, I was just home. I just, you know, I watched TV. I wrote, I read, I learned how to crochet. I hung out with my parents. I did a, a lot of like soul stuff I guess if that makes sense because I was just like if I keep pushing myself I'm gonna snap again and then I'd already snapped you know sophomore year had a bit of a break didn't really want to do that again 
So it was a couple months that I just like didn't, I was just kind of there. I was just kind of hanging. Um, and then eventually I was like, okay, feel good. I feel like I'm okay with being, you know, pickier about my jobs, pickier about the things that I want to do, try to really find what it is that I, you know, am passionate about, or just, you know, just a job that's not going to make me want to, you know, scream and run away. So I did, so then I started applying for some stuff and, you know, applying for jobs sucks. And it sucks even more in a pandemic when lots of people don't have a job. So it was a lot of emails into the abyss, a lot of like applications that I never heard back from. Um, but I did hear back from one and it is the job that I currently have. I had to take a math test to get it, but I did a good job because I'm good at math. And the interview process was pretty quick. So by Labor Day of 2020, I had a new job. And yay, yay. And yeah, and it was definitely weird because so this, the company that I work for is completely remote, like always, like they were remote before the pandemic. They did it before it was cool. They did. So it's, you know, just me and my computer. And that was definitely a weird thing to get used to because I worked in a very corporate environment before this where it's, you know, like team building and like conferences and just a bunch of uh, stuff that I really didn't enjoy. I like never really saw myself working in a corporate environment because that's just not the mindset that I subscribe to. I don't want to sound too much like a hippie, but no, thank you. So this was definitely a shock to be like, oh, I don't, you know, there's nobody looking over my shoulder to make sure that I'm doing things even when I finished all my tasks for the day. Like I can take my time doing things and obviously get things done quickly, but I, I have, it's not so much like a big brother situation where people are like always looking over you. I'm very, it's more autonomous situation. I'm very like in charge of myself and in charge of my schedule, which was weird and kind of nice. And like the other, the place where I was working is very quick, you know, hedge funds, you know, always making money, always scheduling things, whatever. Um, but I had downtime now I was like, Oh, I can still, you know, take, I can take a lunch break and read my book instead of eating a sandwich and working for 20 minutes and hoping that that's going to get me through the day. I can, I can take my time doing things. It was, it was a lot to get used to. I know a lot of people said going into 2021 that things were still rough for them and things were still, you know, not good. And I definitely felt that for some things, but for me, like 2021 has been pretty good so far because it's like I this is gonna sound really sad but like it's not it's like probably the happiest that I've been in a minute in a in a minute um as yeah. crappy as the world may still be I'm like doing a lot better than I have in the past couple of years which makes and, me very happy. Yeah. And like and then yeah, like you said, I also I also decided to to move out of New York. But that was kind of another situation where I was like, I have to do this or I'm gonna yeah. like it was a long time coming too. It was it was a long time coming and the timeline kept getting shorter and shorter and shorter <laughs> until eventually I decided I was like, All right, I'm out of here and then three weeks later the car was packed and I was driving back to Twinsburg. It was not a good time for me. Yeah. Not that but, this is about me, but that's okay but no I inter you asked like what I've learned about myself since then um I am not in the business of doing things that make me miserable anymore I am and I don't think anyone should be in the business of doing things that make you miserable like if you 
and a lot of it I think comes from just like a, a fear of, of, I don't want to say fear of change because that's never really been my issue. I think my issue is just a fear of losing comfort of like, Mm. I have this job that I have done for X amount of years and I've lived in this place for X amount of years. Like, why would I leave? It's, but sometimes, sometimes you have to, sometimes you have to literally step out of your little bubble of comfort Mm -hmm. if it's going to be more beneficial to you in the long run. And it's going to seem scary. It's going to be weird, but I, yeah. I firmly believe that you might be comfortable, but comfort doesn't necessarily mean that that's what's best for you. Absolutely. Sometimes you just have to figure you. It's going to take some time to figure it out, but once you figure it out, it's going to be the best to to switch that up. I think mm-hmm. so. Yeah, I think that's my biggest thing is I don't want to do things that make me sad because the world yes. is already crappy enough. We already have to do so many things that we don't want to do, which is just most of adulthood, I think. So I'm going to do the things that I want to do. I'm going to move to the places that I want to move to. I'm going to work the jobs that I want to work and do the things outside of work that I want to do. And that's going to get me through. And there it is. The secret to life, everyone. That's it. Are you ready for the fun question? Yes. Or the light. That was, very, that was a very rambly answer, so I hope that made sense. That's okay. You did great. Um, do you have a favorite memory of us slash <laughs> it can be a travel story? Because I feel like we have, we've been on a lot of, like, good little trips together. So. What's my favorite? I mean, our road trip was very fun. We took a road trip. Great time. Two summers ago. We went to Boston and we went to Portland, Maine, and we went to Montreal in Canada. And honestly, that whole trip was just a very fond memory. But I have two, I think, that are my favorite. The first one is when we were in Montreal. And it was our first night in Montreal. And we had like a bottle of wine that we had brought with us, I think, that we bought in Maine. And it was gone. And we were like, okay, well, let's go get more wine. Apparently, apparently, I'm telling it anyway. Apparently, in Canada, they don't sell alcohol after eleven o'clock, or at least in the place where we were staying in Montreal. We didn't know. We didn't know that. So we're like, "Well, crap! What are we gonna do? We want to like, we don't want to go to bed yet. We we wanted one bottle of wine. That's all we wanted. And so we're like, to drink while we watched like High School Musical three or something. We're just having like like a night. Yeah, yeah. And so we're like, all right, well. All of these restaurants are still open. They have like this outdoor Lauren, seating because it's why August. Why are you telling this story? Let's go sit and like just have a drink. And then we ended up at a karaoke bar. We didn't. We also didn't go inside. We were like sitting outside because because oh, also the most important detail of this story oh, is yeah. that we were fully in our pajamas. Just we were 100% like hundred percent left the Airbnb. The original us. plan was we're gonna go to the like little convenience store that's underneath right our Airbnb downstairs and, and grab we're gonna buy one wine. bottle of wine. It was gonna go be a very back. chill night. Yeah. We were already in our pajamas. And then we were like, well, we'll go out. And we were just in our pajamas. So it's cool. Whatever. But I do have a video on my phone from that night of Caitlin singing Backstreet Boys. Oh. Well, coming from the karaoke bar in her pajamas at eleven thirty PM. In, in Montreal. Honestly, Lauren, you say that though, like that's rare. Like I do that at like 6 p.m. That's on true. A Tuesday. It's not like, always, you know, in your pajamas in Montreal, but it is. The back, see me singing Backstreet Boys when hearing it in public is like very much a normal like Thursday night for me. Yeah. Like, you know, true. You know what? Oh, Thanks. also, another small one is when you were in 
San Francisco for the summer doing um, your Shakespeare show. And you came back in like October or something. I don't remember. And it was, it was right after graduation. So it was the first time that I had seen you since May. And I remember that I had like a really terrible day at work that day. And we were like, let's meet at the meatball shop and we can dinner or whatever. And I walked up and you were on the corner and I saw you and I literally burst into tears because I was like, she's back and my day has been terrible and I missed her. I'm going to cry. That was a good one too. I think I also cried because I had missed you so much. Oh, wow. Good memes. I cannot believe you told a Canada story. How dare you? It's my favorite story. Anyway, what happens in Canada apparently does not stay stay in Canada. Canada. Um, So you always ask this question of our guests. So I thought it only fair that I turn the tables and ask you. Um, You've lived a lot of lives. You've done a lot of things. You've had a lot of change, especially in the past, like, few years. Uh, What is your advice for anyone who might be – going through a change, who might be looking to change careers, um, who might be thinking of going kind of the big move to a big city from a small town, kind of any of that uh, stuff that you've been through. What is your advice to those who might be going through similar situations? I would say embrace being uncomfortable because any big change that you do in your life is it's gonna suck for a while like it's not gonna be fun unfortunately moving to a big city it's not gonna be fun when you first get there when you're first trying to figure out like where do I go grocery shopping how do I get anywhere it's gonna it's not gonna be fun but embrace that and like embrace learning more about yourself and what you want to do and what you want to get out of you know the new place you're moving the new thing that you're doing Embrace being uncomfortable in it and letting yourself like experience it. Just experience that discomfort and you'll be able to pick something out from it. You'll be able to learn something from it, even if it does feel like it sucks, like it sucks for a while. Um, And just, and don't, don't do things just because you feel like you have to, because a lot of my internal pressure comes from you know like following a path that I feel like I have to follow is like oh I'm moved to New York I can't move back I already left like you can't it's okay I you know majored in theater I got into NYU I can't give up on that now you're not giving up you're not you know it wasn't a bad choice to begin with it was the choice that you needed to make at the time and now it is time to make a different choice. So don't be afraid to make those different choices. And don't don't feel like the choices that you made in the past are bad ones. Because they weren't bad choices. They were just choices that you had to make in the moment. And now the moment is different. And you have to make different choices. And that's okay. And it is okay to move on. And just follow whatever's going to make you the happiest. And don't be in the, like I said earlier, don't be in the business of being miserable. Yeah. Whatever yeah. that means. Good advice. I love it. You're so wise. Woo. All right. Well, I don't have to explain this to you. You know the drill. It's time for rapidish fire. All right, Lauren. As you probably know by now, this is the Leading Lady Club. Uh, so I want to know, and our listeners want to know, what does being a leading lady mean to you? Being a leading lady is as cliche as this is, but it is, you know, very important to me. It's definitely marching to the beat of your own drum because I 
in, you know, in this time of, of self-reflection and Mm -hmm. what have you, I've done a lot of self-reflection in myself of like what I think it means to be like a woman. Mm -hmm. And I've not really ever in my whole life subscribed to the like traditional, like femininity that society like, you know, plays up. So I've always kind of felt weird about that in some ways of like oh I don't necessarily like dressing up I don't do the makeup thing or whatever but at the end of the day like that's fine if you are identifying as a woman and if a woman is very important if being a woman is very important to you you're doing it right that's all it is if you want to dress up to the nines every day just to like go grocery shopping do it if you want to wear all black and combat boots and leather jackets in July do it that's fine (laughs) Being a woman is whatever it means to you, and it doesn't really matter what anybody else thinks. And yeah. so whatever's going to make you the most comfortable, whatever's going to make you feel the best, do it and forget everybody else. I love it. We did uh, We did say when we were first kind of creating this podcast and coming up with all the like graphics and all that, we were like, it's our colors have to be pink black and white because white I don't know that's just like neutral neutral and then pink is like very me like I'm very like girly and I love pink and I love and then black is you very me to a t emo girl for the win and both of those are valid ways to express your femininity they are and they go beautifully together in a color they sure do so they sure do whether you're a pink girl black girl or somewhere in between you're a leading lady love that um all right well we've definitely already talked about a few of them but that's okay it uh is totally fine to repeat yourself who are some of the leading ladies in your life of course my mother i love my mom she we are very much the same person she very she gets me which is nice um my grandmas i've talked about them before but they're very very strong and I look up to them very much. My little sister is a boss. She knows what she wants and she knows how to get it. And I've always admired that about her. My best friends, my three from high school, Kelly, Ellen, and Amelia, and my co- college besties, Caitlin and Shauna. Yeah. You. Who, who, me? Who, oh, me? Oh, this, this old girl. Yes, I've been very, very blessed with the strongest friends and the strongest people that I get to talk to every day and who, you know, remind me that I am brave and I am, you know, all of these things that I tend not to think about myself. So, and I get to, to lift them up too. And I just truly enjoy my life to be able to tell them how great they are today. Absolutely. Right back at you, girly. I don't know why I said that. We literally don't call each other that ever. That was weird. No, that was weird. Um, But anyway, it's all fine. We're embracing uh, our discomfort, right? Indeed. Here we go. It's time for my favorite question. We've already kind of discussed it a little bit, but I feel like that was the very, 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 very beginning. We've had a lot of good uh, options thrown out there by other people. You've had time to think, reflect, maybe change your mind a little. Lauren Elizabeth Montana, if you could throw a dinner party and invite three people, living or dead, who would it be? I really thought about this question like yesterday, and I don't think my answers are any different than I gave them before because that's just my perfect dinner party. So the first is Billy Joe Armstrong. He's the lead singer of Green Day. Green Day is music in and of itself is very, very important to me, but Green Day especially has, you know, 
shaped a lot of who I am as a person. So I just want to talk to him about music, basically. Uh, number two is Megan Rapino because she is the best. I love her. She seems like she would be a good time at parties, and I would love to sit down and chat with her. And then my third one is a personal hero of mine. Her name is Katie Nolan. She is she works in sports media. She works for ESPN. She has a podcast that I have listened to religiously for the past three years. Um, and she is very candid about herself too. Like she talks, especially during the pandemic, she's talked a lot about like, you know, the ups and downs with mental health and like, you know, being a woman in sports media. And she's just very honest and very relatable and she's hilarious and she's just like everything I want to be in my life. So I just want to talk with her because I just think we'd be really good friends too. So Katie Nolan, if you're listening, you can come be on our show. I love you. Be on the pod, girl. Love. Um, okay, I'm pretty proud of this next question. I hope it makes sense because I will say it's like a little complicated, but I just was trying to think about things that you love and like how to combine them into one question. So here we go. Just like buckle up a little bit and like focus. Um, so obviously you love soccer. You're like a big, big soccer girl. Um, and as most of us know, or anyone who even generally follows soccer, which I barely even do. And I know this, the U S men's soccer team leave some to be desired, you know, like they struggle. Listen, no, 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 we're not going off on a thing. I love you, but we're not going on a rant about the U S men's team. We're just saying, Compared to the U.S. women's team, compared to the women's team, something to be desired. Okay, that's all I'm saying. No shame, no hate to the U.S. men's team. If you could kind of uh, boost their roster a little bit with one player from the U.S. women's team, and Ooh. and ready, and one fictional player from the Ted Lasso team. What are they called? <laughs> what are they called? The um, um, oh. the great greyhounds. No, but like, what's the name of it? Like, oh, AFC Richmond. There we go. So, one player from U.S. Women's Team, one player from AFC Richmond, fictional player, obviously, to just kind of help the men out a little bit. What two players would you choose? Oh my gosh, it's a little this complicated, a but it's question. fun, right? I know it just came. Okay, to it just so came. yes, the the men's team. She's excited. She's using her hands. Better, but they are getting better. We have a lot of young talent that are playing right, in Europe right, right now and have won a lot of trophies. This is not the Just question. Let me, hey, I'm trying to get there and you're interrupting me. Let me answer. Anyway, sorry. The men's team is getting better. We have a lot of young players that are playing internationally right now, won a lot of trophies in Europe. We love them. But to amplify that growing youthful energy even more, mm-hmm. I have mm-hmm. to go with Rose Lavelle. Okay. Because she is a spitfire, mm-hmm. but is also very, she's like, she's the best of both worlds. She's spitfire. She's fast. She's, she's got a good eye for the ball, but she's also very like cool, very like level-headed mm-hmm. and knows how to use her speed. Wow. And I think that that would bode well for the pool that we have for the men's team currently. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then from AFC Richmond. <laughs> Guys, Lauren loves Ted Lasso. I mean, same, but like, I think hmm, my my brain is telling me Danny Rojas, just because yeah. I feel like that is the energy that we need to bring to the team, especially going into World Cup qualifiers, which start in September. 
and we want to qualify for this World Cup this time. So yes. I'm going to go with Danny Rojas simply for that football is life mentality that Absolutely. I think we need to bring to football the Football is life. Football is life. Love it. Wasn't that a fun question, though? That like, was a very fun question. I that was good. I like that. that. It's time. Forgot we still have to do the BuzzFeed. God, I've been talking forever. It is called... <laughs> We're on a theme. We're on a roll. Everyone's personality matches a Ted Lasso character. Who are you? And I guess I, I don't will, know. I will read both the questions and the answers. So okay. <laughs> I'm not going to look because I want to be surprised. Okay, of course. All right. Oh my gosh, there's so many options. I should have uh, proofread this quiz before I picked it. Oh well. Okay. Pick a sport: soccer, American football, basketball, baseball, hockey, tennis, volleyball, rugby, soccer. golf. Yeah, soccer. I read them fast because I knew what your answer would be. So I was like, I don't need to. This silly. Okay, pick a quote. Ain't no such thing as last day jitters. Can I read all of these in a Ted Lasso accent? A, pal- to. a palace made out of crystal seems mighty fragile if you ask me. That's the funny thing about coincidence, ain't it? Sometimes they just happen. I think that's what it's all about. Embracing change. I promised myself I would never quit anything in my whole life. You'd be in cahoots with puss in boots playing lutes for prostitutes reading roots. I <sighs> love... The a palace made out of crystal seems mighty fragile if you ask me, just because that's Crystal yeah. Palace is an EPL team and he's right. He's right. Ooh, pick a Jason Sudeikis, Floyd from 30 Rock, Joe Biden, SNL, Kurt Buckman, Horrible Bosses, Holt Richter, The Cleveland Show, David Clark, We're the Millers, or Bike Scout Trooper Number One, The Mandalorian. <laughs> Yep. Um, I'm gonna go with David Clark from Where the Miller from Where the Millers yeah. because I love that. It's a good movie. one. It's a classic. All right, pick your ideal night: dining out, clubbing, watching movies, dinner party, ah, hiking. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out, hiking, game night, reading, stargazing, or other. Ooh, game night sounds fun. Let's do a we game night. We love a game night in our friend group. All right, pick an Apple Apple TV Plus show: The Morning Show, Dickinson. Servant, Rupert Grint, Mythic Quest, For All Mankind, or Little America? Let's do the morning show. I still yeah. need to watch it, but it is definitely on my list. So A lot I'll of those that. I had never even heard of. So whoops. Yeah, me neither. All right, finally, pick a word that describes you. Ambitious, wise, dutiful, arrogant, broody, nervous, outgoing, <gasps> cheerful, or optimistic. I would go with optimistic. I like to, you know, look on the brighter side of things Absolutely. more often than not. Oh my gosh. Wait, this is actually kind of accurate. Did I get Roy Kent? No, but like that would have been accurate. But this one I didn't think of, but it's actually kind of good. Okay. You got Coach Beard. Yes. Wait, I love him. I honestly, like I was thinking Roy Kent or maybe even Ted Lasso, like a little bit like Ted Lasso rising. You know like, what? Optimistic. I am Coach Beard. But you, I never would have thought of this one on my own, but you are Coach Beard. Okay. Here's what it says. You are wise and witty. That's so true. Those are two of the so. top words I would pick to describe you. And not one to mince words. You're extremely loyal and you like to win. This is very accurate, Lord. Yeah. In fact, you can be a little too competitive at times. Okay, well. Well, that's not entirely that's true. That's not that true. That's a little bit more. I actually am very not competitive at all. I'm just here for a good time. That's okay. People think you're shy, but you're just not interested in making friends with every single person you meet. Lauren Montana. This quiz read me. That's crazy. 
I totally I would have pegged you for Roy so Kent, but you're Coach Beard. Because like Roy Kent, like I know we love him as a character, and like he definitely developed, but like he's really prickly, and you're not. He prickly. is very prickly. I am. You're not like this, where you're not necessarily like social butterfly, like going to meet and talk to everyone and just chatting them all up. But like you're, he's kind and nice. Yes, to yes. everyone. I would say that's he's true. just not necessarily like seeking out conversation with every person in the room. But yes. he's like nice. To I everyone. am. I've talked to my father about this before. I am good with people. I yes. just don't like people. <laughs> there we I go. I can. I will talk to them. Like I'm really good at talking yeah. to people. I'm very good at making people feel like yes. welcome because I am just nice. But I don't enjoy that. All yes. the time. You're not like a people person in that no. that's not your um, enjoyment or like fun. Right. But I am good around. with people. Ex- yes. You are very talented. Wow. Coach Pierre, that was a good oh, one. I'm very excited about that. All right, Yay. Lauren. Uh, successful BuzzFeed quiz. Yay. All right. Well, normally this is where we say goodbye to our guests. But uh, but I'm still here. <laughs> you're on duty. You're back on the clock now as co-host of the show. Uh, so... I think the next uh, order of business is to bring in one last person to uh, to end things off for us this episode. Uh, so I think we're just going to waste no time and bring her right on in. What do you say, Lauren? Let's do it. All right, everyone. It's Shahana Soapbox. Hi, Shahana. How Hello. are you? Hi, hi. What do you have ready for us today? So I am talking about how asking for help is important and how it does not make you weak. Mood. Okay. Okay. I'm feeling called out, but I'm ready for it. <laughs> oh, uh-huh. I think all of us need this. I know. Oh, perhaps. A hundred percent. So I know I personally, and I'm also looking at someone who is also not great at this. Um, asking for help from others is something I have always had a very difficult time with I am always assuming that like people won't want to help people won't like do things the way that like maybe I will want them to and then it's just going to cause more problems and I don't want to burden people and all of these different things go through my brain and as you guys know I am getting married next year and I have had to like grapple with the fact that I can't do it all by myself. I can't make a whole wedding come together on my own. And that like, obviously I've had to face this before, but this is the first time that I'm really coming to terms with the fact that it does, it's not a knock against me to ask someone else for help. Um, I think one of the first times I really like humbled myself and went through with that was when I first set up, set up like my very first classroom in 2018. And I like took to Facebook to ask for help from um, just like for anyone who could help literally, because I had inherited like a hoarder's classroom and I needed a lot of help. And I remember going in twice by myself thinking I can handle this. I can do this. And sure enough, I could not. I needed so much support. I think like four or five people came to help. And that's the other thing. So many people were willing to help. No one took it as you are putting a burden on us. You are making us do something we don't want to do. Everyone was like happy to be there. And that was one of the first times that it hit me that I was like, oh, 
it's not a bad thing to do this. And I haven't been great about doing it since then. But it's your one, it and all, one and only example you have for us today. <laughs> the only time I've actually asked for help. <laughs> I have been trying. I know that during the pandemic, when my mental health was like taking a toll, I leaned on you guys. I leaned, on, it took me time to like to even tell you guys that I was struggling, but I finally did. I leaned on my fiance, Joe, and even that was difficult. And he's like supposed to be my life partner or something. So something like I that. Know. <laughs> but even that's the fact of the matter is like at the end of the day, the people who love you and care for you want to be there for you. Yeah. And they don't consider being there for you and supporting you to be a burden. And that's a very difficult thing to come to terms with when you have been a very independent person. But you have to accept it because unfortunately, like, no one can be 100% independent in this world. Yeah, that's a really good point. And it is hard and it is, you know, like, uncomfy. Um, But it is necessary, especially because there are some things that you're just not going to be able to handle on your own. And, like, that sucks to realize, especially, like you said, if you're very independent. Like, I always prided myself on being very independent. Um, but there's just some things that I can't do on my own and you just have to grapple with that and deal with it and ask for help and it will be all the better for it. Yeah, I agree. You guys are my go-to helpers too. So thanks for always being there when I decide to finally ask for help. (laughs) Always got you. That's always been the crazy part is like, I love to be there for my friends and like, yeah. And so like, I will go to the ends of this earth for pretty much like obviously you two and then anyone who's like close to me but then I have a very hard time understanding that that's reciprocated yeah and so that I'm like oh people like want to be there for me what crazy I don't have by myself whoa it is a wild thing to come to terms with agreed yeah I get that I I feel the same way so I love you guys, though. I'm glad we're always here to help each other. Yay. Even states apart. That's true. Thanks for bringing that to us today, Shahana. You're the best, and we're glad that you were here. And we'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Love that. Always love when Shahana's here. She's the best, and we appreciate her dearly. All right, everyone. I think that just about does it for us this week. We had so much fun. Thank you for uh, humoring us and letting us uh, interview each other because this is definitely something we came up with and we're pretty excited about because Mm -hmm. guess what? We love each other and love hyping each other up. So Yeah, baby. There we go. All right, Lauren, would you like to tell the people where they can find, follow, and support us? Of course. You can follow us on Instagram at Leading Lady Club. You can also find us on our website, leadingladyclub.com. We post the podcast everywhere you can listen to podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the other ones. Uh, you can subscribe to us everywhere. You can leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. You can also leave us a written review, just telling us how beautiful and wonderful you think we are. And we hope you have a great rest of your Monday. And we, we hope sure that do. you find your happiness. So nice, Coach Beer. Yeah, you're welcome. We honestly, like real quick, now that I think about it, like on this podcast, you're Coach Beard and I'm Ted Lasso. Oh, absolutely. 100%. Yes. Like, 
as a I'm, dynamic duo. Anyway. All right, everyone. We'll leave you with that. Go watch Ted Lasso. Go find your happiness. Don't be in the business of being miserable. And uh, we'll be right back here again next Monday, everyone. All right. Bye. Bye. Hi, Shana. What's up? Hello. Hello. What's up? I know. I realized that. <laughs> <laughs>